Hello, everyone, and welcome to our March bonus episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, as always, is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, we did it. Victory. Boom, baby. Ben is, of course, referring to not the Arena Open, but the, the ever more important Lords of Limited versus Limited Resources showdown for Neon Dynasty. Felt good to win one after after a couple losses. Yeah, we had had a drought. It would have been very embarrassing to go down 2-6 and have them triple us up. Yeah, that would have been really rough. So going into the last round, all three matches, we were 4-2. All three matches went to game three. If we had lost that, that would have been really sad. It would have been back-breaking. Yeah, I was yeah. sweating bullets after I lost game two to Marshall. I was just thinking, okay, just close it out, Benjamin. Like, yeah, because <laughs> it's like that on team tennis, too. I played tennis in high school. And so you play like there's three singles and two doubles and you play first to three points on the team. So whatever, if you know your team has two wins, like you just need to be the person to clinch the third win. Did uh, who ended first? Was it Alex? Alex ended first. Yeah, I was shortly yeah. thereafter. Nice. Yeah, yeah. And I was came in uh, came in at the end there um yeah so we're gonna be talking about the team draft and going through all six draft logs we've been doing this now I think this will be our fourth time doing it um since we started doing the team drafts this is now our eighth one total these are always super super fun um and if you've never done a team draft you haven't watched these before here's how it works so you have two teams of three and you sit alternating at the table with those uh, people so if you have team a and team B it goes a B a B a B so you know you're passing two and being passed to buy someone on the opposing team. So it just adds this whole other layer to the draft um, of just like, you know, what do I want to take? Am I hating this, etc.? Like, do I want to try and float this card to someone on my team? It's really, really fun. Yeah, I have had a blast team drafting. And I think this one, especially in the draft portion, there were some of those decisions that sort of sent rippling waves throughout the table, certainly in early decisions in pack one. And I think some decisions in pack two as well. Yeah, for sure. I I know that because uh, I was I went and checked. We have a section of our Discord where people can sort of like chat while they're watching the streams. And I guess you said in one of your matches, you were like, I need to have a stern talking to to my teammates <laughs> about the cards they passed. And so I hopefully will have a chance to defend some of the things that I sent to the other team during the draft. Um, yeah. And so then you play out uh, everybody on each team plays everybody on the other team. Uh, so that's a total of nine matches. First team to five match wins wins the showdown. So let's get to it, Ben. Do you want to take us through your draft log here? Absolutely. All right. So pack one, pick one. You open up your pack and you see the following cards as options. The best common in the pack is Okiba Reckonerade, the single black saga. Each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. That's chapters one and two. And then it flips into the two, two with menace. I would say nothing else really in the common slot. And then uncommons, you've got a high speed hover bike. Two mana, two two flash flying vehicle with crew one when an ETB is tap up to one target creature, and a selfless samurai, one and a white for a two two fox samurai. Whenever a samurai or warrior you control attacks alone, it gains lifelink until end of turn, and you can sacrifice this to have another target creature you control gain indestructible until end of turn. If you're two weeks deep into this format or whatever we are now, two weeks, three weeks deep into this format, and you don't know that this can target any creature. I think a lot of people shortcut this and think this only protects samurais or warriors. No, it doesn't. It's very, very good. It's very good. And then your rare is a mythic, but it's wah-wah. It's not good. It's the Hidetsugu Consumes All Saga, one black red. Destroy each online permanent with mana value one or less. Chapter one, exile all graveyards. Chapter two, and then chapter three, it flips into Vessel of the All-Consuming, a 3-3, blah, 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 not good. Not a good card in limited. Yeah, so I was really trying to decide between the two cards you mentioned, Okiba Reckoner Raid and Selfless Samurai, and I had no idea what to do. I went back and forth reserving each of them several times down to the wire, <laughs> and I think 
Ultimately, I went with my gut feeling, which was for me, Okiba Reckoner Raid has tended to underperform a little bit. And I know it's a great card. It's always very good against me. But on my side of the battlefield, it hasn't done a ton. And I have had great success with Selfless Samurais. I know it's very annoying playing against it when you have to worry about the flag bearer effect where it essentially, you know, eats the first removal spell from the opponent. And I thought that could be really valuable in team draft as well. So I ultimately decided I thought Selfless Samurai was a more impactful card and took that over Okiba Reckoner Raid, but could certainly see anybody making the argument in favor of Reckoner Raid. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. And do you assume so like, you know, you don't want to get too caught up in the weeds with this, or at least that's my note for myself, because I know in previous team drafts, I have, you know, gotten into trouble assuming that what I'm passing is going to be taken or whatever. So you're passing to Marshall. Do you assume he's going to take Reckoner Raid or that would be your guess? That would be my guess. Yeah, I'm noting Okiba Reckoner Raid as the next best card in the pack by a fair margin, followed by Hoverbike. I would expect those to be the next two cards to go. Yeah. All right. So moving on to pack one, pick two with the Selfless Samurai in your pile. There aren't really many commons to take note of. I'd say the best one is Uncharted Haven. That's the land that enters the battlefield tapped. You choose a color and it taps for that color. I think that card is great in regular draft and probably even gets better in team draft because you sort of assume in team draft that the power level of decks will be lower on average because one, people are maybe going to be hating some cards from the opposing team and two, less packs are open to the table so the power level is lower. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then looking at the uncommons, you've got some good options. You've got Life of Toshiro Umezawa, one of the best uncommons in the set. One on a black for the saga. Chapter one and two, you choose one. Target creature gets plus two, plus two until end of turn or target creature gets minus one, minus one until end of turn or you gain two life and then it flips into two, three that you can pay a life and tap for a black man to cast instants or sorceries and there's also spinning wheel kick green green xx for a sorcery target creature you control deals damage equal to its power to each of x target creatures and or planeswalkers yeah it's definitely between spinning wheel kick and life of toshiro umazawa and i think a pretty clear life of toshiro umazawa for me personally i like spinning wheel kick a lot but not quite close to the saga and i mean thrilled to see the life here bummed that i didn't first pick reckoner raid as you know i am want to do and then also kind of bummed because it means lsv got a slam dunk rare right so if he knows life of toshiro umazawa is good so that means he's got a rare that's better than this card and it's one of the best uncommons in the set so pick life here i'm assuming marshall's gonna pick spinning wheel kick and i don't love marshall getting shipped a spinning wheel kick because i know he tends to like green and play green decks in general so spinning wheel kick i think is a card that's right up marshall's alley and i think the other thing that you want to note is not only do you know that lsv opened up something great but he also knows he he will assume and i haven't gone back and watched his vod he does say this he knows you're gonna take life of toshiro umazawa right Right. Yes. I'm also hyper aware that he knows that he's putting me into black for sure. So so yeah, that's something you just want to be aware of. I mean, life is a very eminently splashable card, but I think that's also something to be aware of is just like, okay, so someone on the opposing team is passing to me. They know I'm going to take this card. Does that mean they're going to try and like, you know, hook and cut me? I don't think hook and cut really happens that much anymore, but it's just something to be aware of. So you've got the white card and now life of Toshiro Umazawa. Pack one, pick three, a much less powerful pack than we've seen. There's Dismal Backwater, the blue black ETB tapped gain land at common. There's Fade into Antiquity, two and a green sorcery exile target artifact or enchantment. The best black card is Nizumi Blade Blesser, the three mana three two that gets death touch if you have an artifact and menace if you have an enchantment. And I guess Moth Rider Patrol is the white card, the single white 1-1 one, one flyer that can tap a creature. This is a really weak pack. Yeah, really weak pack. So the cards that I was thinking about were Invigorating Hot Spring after shipping Marshall the spinning wheel kick. I didn't love shipping him Invigorating Hot Spring, which is the, the uncommon that enters with plus one, plus one counters, and then you can remove them to put them on a creature to give them plus one, plus one and haste once a turn. 
that didn't feel great because again, I think that type of card and that strategy is right up Marshall's alley. So I thought about taking Invigorating Hot Spring and ultimately kind of what you had sort of said where you'd been too aware of what you were passing. My number one thing going into the team draft was that I wanted to not pass bombs and draft a good deck for myself. And I think that's just going to kind of be how I operate going forward because I think before I was getting too caught up in the weeds of trying to like mess with my neighbors. And I think if you just draft and you're picking the best cards out of the pack and you're not passing bombs, I think good things are generally probably going to happen for your team. So ultimately, I ended up on fade into antiquity here, but I didn't have strong feelings. I thought about Blade Blesser. I took the green card over Invigorating Hot Spring in Fade because I didn't want to ship Marshall of Fade into Antiquity after the Spinning Wheel Kick. And I figured I could either stay black white or, you know, pair Fade with either of my two first picks if LSV cut me off of Life of Toshiro. And I think, you know, Invigorating Hot Spring and Red Green in general is not something that is, you know, very good in this format. But I do think those sort of aggressive streamlined strategies can get better in team draft, actually. Like, I think we've had we've had success with those kinds of decks in the past and the other team has as well in terms of just drafting these like good, consistent, low to the ground, aggressive decks that can really punish people who are trying to, you know, just hold on to those rares for dear life or whatever. And then maybe you don't get a very good curve, etc. Right. So yeah, all right, you take the fade into Antiquity, pack one, pick four, a lot better options here. You have another Okiba Reckoner Raid, you have a Moonsnare Specialist, three in a blue, two, two, Human Ninja with Ninjutsu, two in a blue, and when it ETBs, you bounce a creature. There's another fade into Antiquity if you want one, um, and at Uncommon, you've got a Goshentai of Hidden Cruelty, that's the Black Shrine. Yeah, I was thrilled to see Okiba Reckoner Raid here, and honestly quite surprised after LSV passed me Life of Toshiro Umazawa to see the best Black Common, I was Yes, sign me up. Slam dunk Okiba Reckoner Raid for me here. So are you feeling like he's going to let you draft black? Are you like, is this just going to happen? Am I just going to get this deck? I don't know. I certainly was going to try. I mean, there was no way I was going to pass Okiba Reckoner Raid after already having passed one Marshall's Direction and having as good of a black card as I did in Life of Toshiro. I don't think there was much to think about here. No, no, for sure. For sure. I just, I just feel like I would still be like, what's happening? What's the yes, trick? What's, I was definitely nervous. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, for sure. <laughs> All right. Pack one, pick five. If you want to take a black card, you've got Undercity Scrounger and Chain Flail Centipede as options. I don't love either of those. There's also a Searchlight Companion, three mana, one, one flyer. When it ETBs, you make a one, one colorless spirit creature token. There's a blue, white dual land as well. And then in terms of just the best card in the pack, I'd say it's the Modern Age, one in a blue saga, chapters one and two, draw a card, then discard a card, and it flips into a two, three flyer. Yeah, for me, I was mostly between Searchlight Companion as a card I could play with all the cards I'd already taken and the Modern Age as the best card in the pack. Didn't know what was right. And again, this pick went down to the wire. I think the right pick probably is Searchlight Companion here, but that's a late modern age it's a late modern age with there's also a sky swimmer koi and prosperous thief that's the um treasure making ninja at uncommon those are both still in the pack that's i don't know that's a lot of blue right it sort of felt like a blue signal to me and i was surprised to be seeing blue from lsv and then actually i remember now looking at this pack i didn't see the prosperous thief over the left i was trying to decide between the two blue cards and i ended up on the modern age as the better of the two blue cards yeah i agree with that i think modern age is better than thief all right pack one pick six You get some nice fixing options. You've got not only a network terminal, but an uncharted haven as well. And I think it's got to just be the haven out of this pack. I mean, there's another searchlight companion, but it's nice to see that land there. Yeah, thrilled to pick up uncharted haven. I've already maybe got cards I might want to splash and just opens up all kinds of options for you in the draft. For sure. You want to walk us through how the rest of this pack went for you? 
Yeah, so pick seven, I picked up a Blade Blesser to solidify myself into black and then had a little bit of a samurai theme going on with selfless samurai already if I ended up black white. And that did end up bearing itself out in my final deck. So I got the Blade Blesser into a Scoured Barons out of a fairly empty pack into a pick nine Blade Blesser. So again, then I have three Samurai to go along with my Selfless Samurai to give those lifelink. A Menace Death Touch lifelinker in the Blade Blessers, if I can turn those on, is pretty nice. So at this point, I was thinking I was probably black white or hoping to be black white anyway, um, and hoping to turn on my Blade Blessers. So pick 10, I wield... Goshentai of Hidden Cruelty, which I could not believe came all the way around the table. Um, that was a great pickup for my deck. And then pick 11, got a Tranquil Cove. Again, out of a fairly empty pack, just free fixing, why not? And some other Junkers. And then pack two, pick one. I opened Tameshi, Reality Architect, which is the Tuna Blue 2-3 bomb that lets you pay white X, uh, return a land you control to your hand to return an artifact or enchantment from your graveyard to with mana value extra less from your graveyard to the battlefield and whenever you return something to hand you draw a card so pretty busted bomb there and just smooth sailing honestly through the rest of the draft i didn't really have to think about hating much because the best card in every pack was almost always black or white for me and i ended up base black white splashing Tameshi. awesome yeah we'll have links to all the draft logs and deck picks where you download the show if you want to follow along at home yeah this deck looks super tight and you have really good fixing right you have the haven the Scoured Barons, and the Tranquil Cove. All three of those lands that you picked up in pack one really made that splash for Tameshi pretty easy. Yeah, and had a network terminal with artifacts to turn it on. My mana was actually good enough that I was able to play Roadside Reliquary as a colorless land, even while splashing Tameshi. Ooh, nice. That's got to be good. You've got a nice chunk of artifact enchantment split here, too. Yeah, I really was happy with my deck. I think this is one of the better decks I've drafted. And again, it was pretty easy. I didn't have to think much about hating because I was always taking the best cards out of the pack. And I think my deck was very good as a result. Yeah. Well, let's see how it ripples down the table looking at Marshall's draft. All right. Pack one, pick one. Marshall sees the following cards as options. In the common slot, best common is probably Moonsnare Specialist. That's three and a blue for the two, two with Ninjutsu, two and a blue. And when it ETBs, you return up to one target creature to its owner's hand. Moving on to the uncommons, there's a selfless samurai, the one in a white 2-2 that whenever it attacks alone, any samurai or warrior, they gain lifelink. You can sack it to give a creature you control indestructible. There's also the fall of Lord Kanda, your favorite. <laughs> two in a white for the saga, exile target creature and opponent controls with mana value four or greater. Chapter two, each player gains control of all permanents they own. And chapter three, you exile it and flip it into the fragment of Kanda, the 1-3 enchantment with defender. When it dies, you draw a card. And then in the rare slot, there's Ottawara Soaring City, the blue legendary land that you can channel for three and a blue to return target artifact, creature, enchantment, or planeswalker to its owner's hand. And it costs one less to activate that ability for each legendary creature you control. Yeah, it's kind of a stinker of a pack to open the land there. Um, I mean, I think this is a pretty easy selfless samurai, but you know how I feel about the fall of Lord Kanda. Yeah, honestly, Marshall selects the Fall of Lord Conda here, and I can get behind Marshall's pick as well. I think, honestly, I might have taken the Fall of Lord Conda out of this pack as well. It's really close for me between Samurai and Fall, and I think you're taking both of those over Moonsnare Specialist, and I think you're taking Moonsnare Specialist over the land. I am never picking the Fall of Lord Conda <laughs> out of a pack of magic cards, unless it's like going straight to my sideboard. I'm, I am not main decking this terrible card, sorry. That's so funny. Yeah, it's different strokes for different folks. I, I do not hate Marshall's pick here of Fall of Lord Conda. Yeah, that's fine. 
All right. <laughs> Just lower your win rate equity, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like the thing is that the, it has like a 58% win rate on 17 lands. Like there's, it, it is doing things. I just, I have seen it do so little things. I mean, it didn't, doesn't, didn't do much for him in the team draft. I, yeah, I don't remember what it did against me. Yeah, I don't know. I have had good experiences with the card and I like it. That's all I can say. Ben, I'm looking at your deck right now. You have literally three things it can kill. Shrine Steward, Ghost Shintai of Hidden Cruelty, and Kami of Terrible Secrets. And two of those are two for ones already. Yeah. I mean, when you want to say things like that, you can make any <laughs> card look bad. <laughs> okay, okay. All right, moving on to pack one, pick two. After Marshall selects the fall of Lord Kanda, he sees the following cards as options. There's the Okiba Reckoner Raid that I shipped his direction, as well as the high-speed hoverbike in contention. Yeah, I mean, we really liked Okiba Reckoner Raid the first time around, so I definitely would take that here over the hoverbike. Yep, that's what Marshall did as well. So now has the fall of Lord Kanda and an Okiba Reckoner Raid. Moving on to pack one, pick three. See the following cards as options. In the commons, there's a Ninja's Kanai. That's one mana for the artifact equipment. One tap, equipped creature gets uh, sacrifice Ninja's Kanai. Ninja's Kanai deals three damage to any target, and it equips for one. There's also an Uncharted Haven floating around. That's the tap land where you choose a color and add mana of any color. And then the Spinning Wheel Kick that I shipped to Marshall as well. In the uncommons, green, green, XX. Target creature you control deals X damage to its power to each of X target creatures and or planeswalkers. Yeah, I mean, this pack was the one where you took the life of Tashiro Umezawa, and we really liked Spinning Wheel Kick as the other card to consider here. So I like Spinning Wheel Kick here myself. I mean, you know, it's a little awkward that he's got white card, black card, green card, but I sort of think you you expect something like that to happen in team draft a lot of the time. Yeah, I like Spinning Wheel Kick as well. I just think it's far and away the best card in the pack. And I think this early in the draft, you really need to take the best card out of the pack one because then you potentially get to play it but two you're also not passing the best card in the pack to someone else so personally i would have been on spinning wheel kick here and marshall ended up settling on ninjas kanai and then i think this pick sends some ripples through the draft potentially because marshall's passing to alex and alex sees the spinning wheel kick and i I assume that alex would take the spinning wheel kick out of this pack he does yeah he does take it all right so marshall picked up ninjas kanai pack one pick three Moving on to pack one, pick four. Sees the following cards as options. There's nothing great in the commons. There's a Moth Rider Patrol to go along with the Fall of Lord Conda, potentially. As far as black cards to pair with the Okiba Reckoner Raid, there's maybe an Azumi Blade Bluster. That's the 3-2 that can get Death Touch and Menace. And then moving on to the uncommons, there's the Invigorating Hot Spring. That's the red-green-gold uncommon and Roaring Earth. One on a green for the enchantment. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, you put a plus one plus one counter on target creature or vehicle you control. And you can also channel it for green, green, X, discard it, and put X plus one plus one counters on target land you control. And it becomes a zero, zero green spirit creature token with haste. Yeah. Do you like Roaring Earth? I have not found that card to be good. I thought it was going to be really good, but usually when it gets played as an enchantment, it's like, I feel like it's pretty easy to negate the effect of it. Like it just feels like an aura or something. And then it's a really expensive, clunky creature. Yeah, I have found similar experiences. I've not played it yet, and I've played against it on turn two a lot and beat it on turn two, which is presumably when it's at its best, right? Yeah, I think it's at its best like on three probably. So you like can put a counter on a thing you've already played. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, I yeah I don't I not like this card. This is a really weak pack. I might just like take dismal backwater here. Like, do you do I want to take? I don't even know what the best card in this pack is. It's that's probably what, that's, invigorating hot spring, right? I guess yeah. But like, he doesn't have. He's got 
his, you know, if you like Fall of Lord Conda, then your white card, your black card are better than that, right? Yes, I think so. But you just like maybe hate Invigorating Hot Spring or like same reason why we liked it in your pick is just like maybe you end up in red green aggro. Right. I just think it has the highest upside of the cards here. And certainly if you take spinning wheel kick last pack, I think you're slamming Invigorating Hot Spring. Slamming. I can't I can't get excited about that card, but maybe I'm too low on it. It's very good when it's in a red green beatdown deck. Yeah, it's I just feel like green is it's hard for green to play a beatdown role, but maybe in team draft it's easier to do that. Right, but I mean you have to assume that you're somebody at the table is going to end up playing unconventional strategies. Right. And if you're getting the invigorating hot spring pick 4 out of a pack with no other things, it feels worth it to take here because none of the rest of the cards in the pack matter to you. Yeah, I think that's fair. Okay. All right, so Marshall doesn't have the spinning wheel kick, though, so it makes much more sense that Marshall doesn't take the Invigorating Hot Spring here. Marshall lands on Roaring Earth as what he, I think, deems the best card in the pack, and it seems like their team was fairly high on Roaring Earth. Yeah, both he and Luis take Roaring Earth at various parts in the draft. Marshall doesn't end up playing green, but uh, yeah, it seems like they like that card. All right, so grabbing Roaring Earth, pack one, pick four, moving on to pack one, pick five. Sees the following cards as options. In blue, there's Moonsnare Specialist, three and a blue for the 2-2 Mana War variant with Ninjutsu, two and a blue. There's a Patchwork Automaton, two mana for the artifact, pretty far away from that, the one that grows whenever you cast other artifacts. There's a Fade into Antiquity as far as a green card to follow up with Roaring Earth. And then the Black Shrine running around as well, Goshentai of Hidden Cruelty and Mukatai Ambusher. So some potential black here if you wanted to go deeper down the Okiba Reckoner Raid route. Yeah, I think the best card in the pack is Moonsnare Specialist. And Marshall doesn't have anything like super powerful to hold on to to sort of do a tiebreakery thing. So I like taking Specialists here myself. I agree. And Marshall does as well. Nabs the Moonsnare Specialist and moves on to pick six with White Card and Fall of Lord Conda, Okiba Reckoner Raid, Ninjas Kanai, Roaring Earth, and Moon Snare Specialist. So tough seat for Marshall here, and I do think that is definitely true, that he saw some weak packs and didn't have a very good route no matter what he did. I think his draft is the hardest, or his seat is the weakest of all six seats. Yes. So he gets a Prosperous Thief next. This is the pack where you were picking between the Modern Age and Prosperous Thief. So having picked up a late Specialist and then a Prosperous Thief, I feel like he's probably going to give some weight to Blue being where he should be. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, And so then, you know, pack rounds out, he gets a searchlight companion on the wheel. Remember, the wheel is pick seven, not pick nine, because there's only six drafters. Um, And then a couple moth rider patrols, potentially to keep him in white, patchwork automaton wheels, sky swimmer koi wheeled out of that pack where he took prosperous thief. So I think he's definitely knows he's in blue, gets a late essence capture and then a planar incision. So definitely blue you know, playable-ish cards um, with to go along with his flyers and his ninjas. Um, and then ends up sticking to white, it looks like, through the rest of the draft. Yeah, and I think there's definitely worlds where Marshall could have moved into green potentially and maybe had a better pack two pick one. Really unfortunate for Marshall that he ended up sticking with that fall of Lord Conda and drafting white in between Alex and myself. I mean, that's sort of the dream setup in team draft, right? Where you can have an opposing team member drafting a color in between 
two teammates because they're just definitely not going to get much. Yeah. I mean, he gets a couple spirited companions in pack two. And then in pack three, he gets a pack three, pick three cloud steel Kirin. That's the three mana, three, two artifact creature equipment with flying. And it has reconfigured for five equipped creature has, you can't lose the game and your opponents can't win the game, which definitely was relevant. So like he gets good white cards. Well, and you were talking about, you know, just the nuances of team draft. So Imagine team draft, like you do all this, you draft and, you know, we have a shared Google Doc where we type the cards from people's decks as we see them. And, you know, before the draft, we talked about some stuff in Discord about like, well, did you see this? Blah, 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 blah. No, they probably have this, whatever. Just chatting about what we think their decks might be. So I finished my first round and I know I passed this Cloud Steel Kieran, but it's not even good enough that I really clocked it necessarily. And mm-hmm. I tune into Alex's game three, where Marshall has equipped Cloud Steel Kieran, and Alex has next to no outs. And I'm just thinking, oh my God, like if I had told Alex that Marshall had this card, could he maybe have saved a removal spell and have outs here? I was feeling terrible when I tuned into Alex's <laughs> stream. Yeah, there is nothing quite like seeing a card that you pass to the opposing team wrecking one of your teammates. Like it just feels you feel so responsible for it. Yep, definitely was not feeling great there. Yeah, so if we take a look at Marshall's final build, I think the best card that he has in his deck by far is Eater of Virtue. He got that pack three pick one. That's the one mana equipment. Equipped creature gets plus two plus oh and has an equip cost of one and like when equipped creature dies, if it had any of the keywords, then Eater of Virtue grants that keyword to future creatures. Um, that card was really, really good in Marshall's deck. And so he's got like a little blue-white flyers tempo deck here going on. Yeah, I think ultimately just a little too much filler to really be a strong deck, but there are definitely some standout cards for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, that's going to take us down the road to Alex's seat, where pack one, pick one, he sees the following cards as options. Best common in the pack is the Modern Age, I would say. There's also a Searchlight Companion. The uncommons in the pack, he's got the Prosperous Thief. That's the ninja that makes treasures when it connects. There's Leech Gauntlet, one in a black for the 2-2 artifact equipment. Lifelink, Cooked Creature has Lifelink, and it has a reconfigure cost of 4. Colossal Sky Turtle, 4 green, green, blue for the 6-5 Flying Ward 2, and you can channel it for 2 in a green to return a card from your graveyard to your hand or 1 in a blue to bounce a creature. And he gets a really good rare, the Restoration of Iganjo, two and a white for the Saga. Chapter one, search your library for a basic planes card, reveal it, put it into your hand. Chapter two, you may discard a card when you do return target permanent card with mana value two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. And it flips into a three, four creature that whenever it attacks or blocks, you make a one, one creature token. Yeah, I think if you're Alex, you're slamming the rare here and you're noting probably Sky Turtle maybe Leech Gauntlet and or the Modern Age as other cards that you're passing, but definitely noting Sky Turtle. Mm-hmm. And he's basically passing no white, like Regent's Authority is in the pack. And so that's, that's I mean, nice slash sometimes in team draft, you like kind of want to send people. It'd be great if he was passing like a good white card because then he could maybe hook and cut. But yeah, slamming Restoration of Iganjo here. Pack one, pick two. This was Marshall's pack where he had Fall of Lord Conda. So there is the Moonsnare Specialist here. There is Selfless Samurai at Uncommon. The two mana two two has the Samurai Warrior attack alone text to give that thing lifelink and you can sack it to protect something. And then there's the uh, the rare land Otawara Soaring City. Yeah, I mean, if you're Alex, you're thrilled to see Selfless Samurai here, right? We were debating it as the potential best card. You are certain it was the best card <laughs> no the debate pack. no debate for me <laughs> <laughs> and i think if you're alex you're slamming selfless sam right here and you're feeling great about white rare into very good uncommon in your colors 
for sure. Uh, pack one, pick three. It's smooth sailing or smooth biking, I guess, as it were here with the high speed hover bike as I think the only card. I mean, if we go back to what was it? Your draft, we go back to your draft where you saw this pack where you took Samurai, Marshall took Reckoner Raid, and then high speed hover bike was the only other card we were thinking about. Right. And those cards went in the order that we expected as well. Pack one, pick four. As we talked about, Alex takes that spinning wheel kick out of the pretty weak pack where we expected actually Marshall to take the spinning wheel kick, but he took the kunai and then pack one pick five alex not i'm i'm liking alex's the, the cut of alex's <laughs> jib here he's ignoring the invigorating hot spring if ben were here ben would go spinning wheel kick into hot spring i like alex taking the dismal backwater here the blue black land well it's slightly different for alex right because alex has a strong direction in the right. restoration of igondo and selfless samurai marshall was still looking for a direction so i think That's it's fair. a little bit of a different thing um, but Dismal Backwater is pretty off plan here. I think personally, I would still be on Invigorating Hot Spring here, but I would be putting almost next to no weight on it. I mean, you could, uh, maybe you just take the Moth Rider Patrol because you're like, hey, I'm incentivized to play white, but I think Patrol is just still pretty stinky. Pack one, pick six. This is a pretty interesting decision. So the white cards are Moth Rider Patrol and Kitsune Ace. Those are not really what you want to be taking. Uh, other cards in the pack for Alex, there's Fade into Antiquity. There's Mukatai Ambusher. That's the three and a black, three, two lifelink with Ninjutsu for one and a black. And there's also the, the Black Shrine here, the Goshintai of Hidden Cruelty. Yeah, this is, I think, a tough pick. I think you could go a number of different directions here if you're Alex. And I like the Ambusher pick. I think prior to this team draft, I was asking Alex about Mukatai Ambusher and he was just like, yeah, I love it. You know, Ninjutsu 2 is so strong on this card. And after I really was thinking about it, if you just assume this is two mana, three, two lifelink that you're planning in ninjutsu. It is actually a very good card. It's one of the few artifacts you get in black in a color that cares about having artifacts and or enchantments a lot. So yeah, I like the ambusher pick here from Alex. Yeah. All right. I'm in, I'm into it. Um, and pack one, pick seven on the wheel. He gets searchlight companion. So that's great. Gets a network terminal for some fixing. Not really anything else to speak of. I guess we should mention the Okiba salvage because it de- does end up making his deck. He gets that pick 10, four and a black sorcery, return target creature or vehicle card from your graveyard to the battlefield, then put two plus one plus one counters on that permanent if you control an artifact and an enchantment. Why would Alex be interested in playing a reanimation spell like that? Well, pack two, <laughs> pick two, BK commits the sin that you are not allowed to commit in team drafting and passes a bomb in AO the Dawn Sky, which is the three white, white mythic, five, four flying vigilance dragon, Alex's direction, and Alex snaps it up. Yeah, so that is a, a huge pickup for Alex. I mean, that's following up a pack two, pick one, touch the spirit realm for him. I mean, he really just gets to be on rails as well, which is interesting because both you and he end up in black, white. Yes. So I saw Alex post his deck in our draft chat and I saw that it was black, white. And I was like, oh, no, this is not good because I knew my deck was great. And then I looked at Alex's deck and I was like, oh, Alex's deck is pretty good here, too. (laughs) Yeah, he's a much more aggressively slanted black, white deck than yours. Yes, I think so. Right. He's got double Reckoner Raid, Moth Rider Patrol. He's playing two Brute Suits in his deck. Um, he's got Befriending the Moths. So he does, I mean, obviously he has the AO, the Dawn Sky, and Okiba Salvage. Um, and he's got a good mix of artifacts and enchantments to enable the salvage, to enable his one copy of Kami of Terrible Secrets. Um, but he's got a nice, just streamlined, aggressive deck. I didn't really get, because a lot of my matches went uh, quite longer than his. I didn't get to see a lot of his matches, but this looks like a tight little deck. Yeah, shout out to Brute Suit, I think. If you have Okiba Reckoner Raids, Brute Suit is just a card you're interested in playing, I think. 
Yeah, that makes sense. I hadn't really thought about that. That that vehicles you control have menace trinket text always feels trinkety to me, but I guess with Brute Suit, it's not. Yeah, I've been very impressed with Brute Suit in tandem with Okiba Reckon Raid, both for me and for opponents. I think Brute Suit's a little underrated at the moment. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, well, let's let's get into BK's draft. I want to see what he, uh, what did he take over the AO? All right, well, pack one, pick one. We've also got another, I think, contentious pick. So commons, nothing's going to be in contention here. Best common is a Moonsnare Specialist. Well, that's not true. There's an Okiba Reckoner Raid. Best commons and Okiba Reckoner Raid. Moving on to the uncommons, there's one of the best in the set in Blossom Prancer. 3GG for a 4-4 four, four with Reach. When it ETBs, you look at the top five cards of your library. You can reveal a creature or enchantment card from among them and put it into your hand. Or if you don't want to do that, you can gain four life. Yeah, Blossom Brands are currently sitting as the top performing game in hand win rate uncommon in the set. And then in the rare, also a windmill slam rare in tribute to Hrobi, one black for an enchantment saga. Chapters one and two, each opponent creates a one one black rat rogue creature token. And on the back, it flips into a three three flying haste that whenever it attacks, you can sacrifice creature. If you do, you draw a card. Oh, and you gain control of rats somewhere along the way. Yes, you gain control of the rats when it flips to the uh, the creature side. Um, yeah, I mean, I think had I maybe not drafted the set before or wasn't as familiar, like Tribute to Hirobi looks nuts to me and did in the spoiler. And so I probably would land on that. But like knowing what we now know of how insane Blossom Prancer performs and just how great green is in general, I think that would that would be the pick for me here. I would also be on Blossom Prancer here. I do like Tribute to Hirobi quite a bit. And, you know, you were talking about me needing to have a stern conversation with you. That came up because in my games, I played against BK's second Tribute to Hirobi. And I was like, and somebody in chat had asked, did he open both of those? And my response was, he better have, because otherwise my <laughs> teammates and I need to have a conversation. And then Twitch chat told me that you had opened it and picked a Ninja's Kanai over it. And I was like, there's no way, there's no way. And that turned out to be the case. But there's some more context missing from that pick that makes it a lot more defensible. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate <laughs> you understanding. I'm going to get my head bitten off. Yeah. So I think Blossom Prancer is the pick here. Uh, but BK lands on Tribute to Hirobi, which I think is defensible, especially, you know, I think we assume that BK has probably drafted the least of the six of us going into these. Yeah. Well, and imagine if BK takes Blossom Prancer here, right? Then all of a sudden, you're the one that's taking Tribute to Hirobi. And essentially, you and BK end up drafting each other's decks more than likely. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So like, I mean, we'll, we'll see the ripple that happens. But, you know, I end up taking the Blossom Prancer as it gets passed to me because he's passing to me. Um, but if he takes Prancer here, I definitely take Tribute to Hirobi. And then what's going to happen? Pack one, pick two. There's like a clear follow up pick for each of those. Right. So pack one, pick two. There's a Leech Gauntlet in the uncommon slot. That's one in black for the 2-2 with lifelink. And reconfigure four to give the equipped creature lifelink. And then also Colossal Sky Turtle, the blue-green gold uncommon that can regrow a card, bounce a creature, or just hard cast for a 6-5 flying ward two turtle. Right. So if you've taken Tribute to Hirobi, it makes sense that you take Leech Gauntlet as just like a good two-drop follow-up. If you take Blossom Prancer, then you're taking Sky Turtle and you're like all in on a green value deck, right? Yes, 100%. So BK had the tribute and took the leech gauntlet here and shipped you the colossal sky turtle. Mm hmm. Yeah. And we'll see my draft is, you know, I have a few interesting picks. But then beyond that, it's pretty straightforward, especially getting blossom prancer into sky turtle. Yeah. So moving on to pack one, pick three with a tribute to Roby and a leech gauntlet in his pile. BK sees the following cards as options. There's no real commons in contention. Moonsnare specialist is the best of them again. 
And then in the uncommons, there's a Sokanzan Smelter. That's the one red 2-2 at the beginning of combat on your turn. You can pay one and sack an artifact. If you do make a 3-1 red construct artifact creature token with haste, and there's also that Ottawara floating around the table. Yeah, I mean, to follow up is two cheap black cards. I like taking the Smelter here, especially knowing that red-black is artifacts. He's got a little sacrifice theme going on. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think you could make a case for Searchlight Companion as well if you just wanted to not commit to a second color yet. But uh, I like the Smelter. I also like the Smelter, and BK agrees. So moving on to pack one, pick four, sees the following cards as options. There's nothing great in the uncommons, probably Blade Blesser as the best card here. That's the Tuna Black 3-2 that can get Death Touch and Menace, depending on whether you control an artifact and or an enchantment. And then no great uncommons, and the rare, Hitsugu Consumes All, that's the Black Red Mythic. Chapter 1, destroy each non-land permanent mana value 1 or less. Chapter 2, you exile all graveyards. And then it flips into the 3-3 trample that gives a plus 1, plus 1 counter when it damages an opponent. Yeah, it looks like BK lands on that saga following up his two black cards and red card, which like I guess kind of makes sense. And at least maybe it's like going to be a good sideboard card, except the thing that ends up happening in black red is like destroy each non-land permanent with mana value 1 or less. That kind of ends up owning you a lot more. You know, you think about the 1-1 <laughs> rat tokens that he's going to have, or if he's going to have the 3-1 constructs from the smelter, like he's going to those are going to blow up his own creatures as well um but i don't know what else he's supposed to take maybe just the blade blesser to stay black i mean there's kaito's pursuit which we haven't talked about this is the tuna black discard spell we talked about this being better in sealed and i think this also probably gets better in team draft yeah i think that's probably true if i were bk i would have taken the blade blesser here i think to get deeper into black you've already got an artifact and an enchantment in black and that's a mm. little self-contained package there so i like the blade blesser over hitetsugu but it makes sense uh to take the mythic here also i think mm-hmm. yeah for sure all right moving on to pack one pick five you see the following cards as options there's nothing great there's an uncharted haven as the best common uncommons there's a covert technician that's the two four ninjutsu blue card that lets you put an artifact into play with mana value less than the damage it dealt and then Okiba Salvage, the four and a black return a creature or vehicle card from your graveyard to the battlefield and put two plus one plus one counters on it if you control an artifact and an enchantment. Yeah, we, weak pack here. I think I, I've wanted to take the Uncharted Haven out of this pack for a couple picks that, was, that we've seen it now, and I like taking it here. Yeah, I agree with BK's Uncharted Haven pick here. Pick six, he takes the flyer on Invigorating Hot Spring. BK, man of good taste. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And that's the red, green, gold, uncommon. And then pick seven follows that up with an Aki Emberkeeper, which works very well with not only the Invigorating Hot Spring, but potentially the other black and red cards he's got floating along here. Uh, Mm -hmm. One red for the 2-1. Whenever a non-token modified creature you control dies, create a 1-1 colorless spirit creature token. And from this point on, BK just sort of settles into black red, picks up an Undercity Scrounger to make some treasure and, you know, fuel his Sokanzan Smelter, things like that gets a Kaido's Pursuit, you're already dead, a Death of the Kami, but nothing crazy exciting uh, as we round out the pack. And then pack two, pick one, that's the pack with the AO the Dawn's guy that he shipped to Alex. There's Oni Cult Anvil, which is what he selected. That's the black, red, gold, uncommon, and whenever one or more artifacts you control, leave the battlefield during your turn. You make a 1-1 colorless construct artifact creature token, and you can tap sack an artifact to have Oni Cult Anvil deal one damage to each opponent. You gain a life. Yeah, I mean, so he sort of gets, I mean, there's a little bit of a like, you know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. So he passes Alex the AO, and then pack two, pick two, I pass him a tribute to Hirobi. So he gets a second copy of tribute to Hirobi. Yeah, that is insane there, I think, if you're BK. So, I mean, he's got to be feeling great right now. I think pack two, pick one, if you're BK, 
you have to pick AO the Dawn Sky, right? There's yeah. a real chance in team draft that Oni Cult Anvil wheels. And if it doesn't, it's highly unlikely that somebody else is going to be able to play it, right? They probably hated it. Yeah. I, I just think AO is too good to risk passing to someone on the other team there. So, you know, I was went back and watched Marshall's stream and LSV stream. And unfortunately there's no VOD of BK's stream. So I couldn't watch his, but um, you know, they all hop on a call afterwards on LSV stream and BK sheepishly announces oh, that he no. passed <laughs> the white dragon and LSV is like that. He's just like, that's not good. What did you, <laughs> what did you take over it? And then I was listening to LR today on, on my walk and they were talking about the artifact deck and they were like, yeah, Oni Cult Danville is like a really good uh, pull into this deck. I wouldn't take it over a white dragon, but, you know, <laughs> just like the, the beats continue to hit. But I mean, we take a look at BK's deck here, or what I assume his deck is, because, again, we don't have a VOD to check out. I mean, he's got got a good little deck. This looks like a good deck for like a normal draft, right? I mean, the double tribute is good. Undercity Scroungers to go with his Oni Cult Anvil. He's got a couple Kami's Flares, a couple Simeon Slings, a Reckoner Raid, Dockside Chef. It's like a nice little lean, mean, red, black sacrifice machine. Yeah, he had a great synergistic red, black deck. The Dockside Chef in particular was back breaking against me. I was trying to claw back into game three with some lifelink, and he just always had sack outlets to be able to block and sack so that I couldn't quite gain life to stabilize. Ended up burning me out with a commies flare to, I think, bring me to an embarrassing one in seven record against BK. He is he is definitely... I, I've sort of gotten out of it the past couple uh, showdowns, but he has been my kryptonite for a long time for sure. All right, moving on to your draft. Let me walk you through this one. So pack one, pick one. You sit down and you see the following cards as options. No commons in contention. There's Behold the Unspeakable, the blue uncommon saga that gives creatures you don't control minus two minus oh until your next turn on the first chapter. Chapter two, if you have one or fewer cards in hand, draw four. Otherwise, scry two, draw two. And then turns into a flying trample creature with power and toughness equal to the number of cards in hand. And then in the rare slot... Competing with that, you've got Springleaf Avenger, 3GG for the 6-5 with a Nujutsu 3 and a green. And whenever it deals combat damage to a player, you return target permanent card from your graveyard to your hand. I would not want to be choosing between those two cards and knowing that LSV was getting the other. <laughs> I know. I know. This is tough. So I had no idea what to take. You know, I was excited. You, you, you always look at what the rare is first. So I looked at the Springleaf Avenger. And I was like, oh, great. I like get to open a, a good rare in this format. And then I saw Behold and I was like, oh man, I don't know what's better between these two. And so I pulled up my handy dandy 17 lands. I was like, I'm curious. Well, I wonder what has the better game in hand win rate. And behold, crushes Springleaf by like, I think it was over two percentage points. And so I landed on behold. I mean, it was close for me and I didn't know. And honestly, my gut was telling me that behold was better. Like partially I was like, well, maybe I'm supposed to take Springleaf Avenger because green is the better color. But it is a little awkward because there's so many other green cards in the pack. There's Fade into Antiquity, Bamboo Grove Archer, Roaring Earth. We know about the Hot Spring. I don't know if that should incentivize me to want to take a green card or not. But I, anyway, the, the 17 lands data is what tipped me over the edge. So I took Behold. Yeah, that checks out. So you take Behold. You're assuming LSV is taking Springleaf yeah, Avenger. For sure. And he does. Moving on to pack one, pick two, see the following cards as options. This is BK's pack with the Blossom Prancer in it. And there's just nothing else that holds a candle to that card. Well, I, again, I got excited seeing the Reckoner Raid first, but then I saw Blossom Prancer. And I was like, oh, snap. Okay, great. I th oh, actually, I think I got excited seeing the Specialist too, because I was like, great, a good common to follow up my Behold. 
But then I was like, oh, Blossom Prancer, I absolutely have to take that. And then bonus points, like, you know, I didn't want to get caught in the weeds of I'm, you know, I'm trying to figure out what LSV is taking out of each pack I'm passing him, but I know he's taking Springleaf Avenger. And so it's nice to then get to go, okay, cool. Maybe I get to move into green ahead of you. Yeah, feel great about Blossom Prancer here. So you've got Beholden Blossom Prancer heading into pack one, pick three. There's Modern Age in the commons, which you would be excited about. There's Master's Rebuke in the commons, which you would be excited about. But boom, in the uncommons, there's Prosperous Thief and that Colossal Sky Turtle that we noted in the pack that BK had to choose between the Sky Turtle and the Leech Gauntlet. Yeah. And so, I mean, it just feels like I was like, all right, I guess this is it, right? Behold the Unspeakable into Blossom Prancer into the Sky Turtle. I There's no way I'm getting pushed off of Green Blue, right? I don't think so. You just say, I'm doing this. And then Mm -hmm. if you have to splash, you splash. But those three cards are worth playing blue green for. That's what I think. Yeah. So that that's what I ended up doing in this draft. Yeah. So pick four. See the following cards as options. There's an Uncharted Haven for fixing Moon Snare Specialist, the Mana War Bouncer and Ottawara Soaring City, the blue bounce land uh, in the rare slot. Yeah, I was between Specialist and Ottawara. I didn't want to take the dual land this early. Like I didn't want to, when there's good cards in the colors that I want to be in, I didn't want to pass them. Um, So I landed on Specialist over the land, but I don't know what's right between those two. I figured like there's no guarantee. Like in a normal draft, you can take the land because you're like, yeah, I'm not going to be short playables, but that's not guaranteed in team draft. Yeah, I like the Specialist pick here. I think even not concerning team draft, I, I just think Specialist is a higher upside card. Sure. Moving on to pack one, pick five. You see the following cards as options. There's Tamio Safekeeping. That card has gone up a fair bit for me this past week. That's the single green instant target permanent you control gains hexproof and indestructible until end of turn. You gain two life. And then blue cards, I think suit up is the best of them. Two and a blue, also the hotness of the week, I think. Yeah. Instant until end of turn, target creature or vehicle becomes an artifact creature with base power and toughness four five. Draw a card. Yeah, really weak pack here. You know, I, I I knew I was blue. I guess maybe there's a world where I get cut out of green, but, you know, I've got specialists and I've got behold. And, you know, I guess I could just play Sky Turtle as a bounce spell. Um, so I took the suit up here. Yeah, that checks out. Pick six, you pick up a Bamboo Grove Archer. Pick seven, another Bamboo Grove Archer. And you want to walk us through the rest of what happened in the draft here? Yeah, I mean, I get pretty clear green signals, fade into antiquity, grafted growth, bearer of memory, another bearer of memory, 12th. So I was like, all right, well, I guess I know I'm green. And then here's here's the tribute to Hirobi pick. So pack two, pick one, I open tribute to Hirobi number two, or the, the second one at the table, I should say, as the rare. And I was all ready to hate that. I was like, oh, I have to hate this. That's fine. And then I saw there was an Okiba Reckoner raid in the pack. And I was like, huh, I wonder... I wonder which is actually better of these. So I whipped out my handy dandy 17 lands again and looked it up. <laughs> and Reckoner Raid, again, kind of crushes Tribute to Hirobi by like two percentage points, maybe more, I forget. And I was like, well, if Reckoner Raid is better, I'm not supposed to hate Okiba Reckoner Raid and then pass the Tribute. And so if there's a card here that I can take for myself, at least what happens is like for team draft, what I don't want to do is there's two good black cards, hate a black card, then BK takes a black card and then, you know, I guess it's you on the other side of BK or right. no, Alex is on, Alex is on the other side of BK. And so 
Alex then doesn't get a black card, which is what happened, right? Like had I hated one of these black cards, BK just snaps up the other one and then Alex doesn't get something good. Right. So you settle on Ninja's Kanai, which was what I had. The information I had was that you took Ninja's Kanai over Tribute to Hirobi, which was wild to me. But it makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense with the Okiba Reckoner Raid. And I think you actually did the correct and the smart thing for Team Draft because you got to float a black card to someone on your team while picking a card that you used, which is ideal team drafting. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I did get to do that. BK took the Tribute. You know, Alex got the Okiba Reckoner Raid. I had the same decision, pack two, pick three. There was another Reckoner Raid and a Virus Beetle as like the clear best cards in the pack. And I was like, I can't hate one of these and pass the other. So I might as well just let them both go. And that's exactly what happened. BK took the Beetle, but Alex got the second Reckoner Raid. And in team draft, if you're not familiar with the terminology, floating is what that's called. When you Mm -hmm. get a card to go past an opposing team member, to one of your team members. It's called floating a card. That's the slang. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, I just get some of the best on commons in the set. I get past a pack three, pick two Kappa Tech Wrecker. So that means I have Tech Wrecker, Behold, and Blossom Prancer in my deck. And I had a nice little blue-green control deck. I did get a, a pack three, pick six, last possible opportunity. I got Season of Renewal. So I got to have the Sky Turtle Season of Renewal loops, um, which was relevant. And I was pretty happy with my deck. Yeah, if we zoom in on your deck here, this looks, again, like a fairly good blue-green draft deck. I mean, you have more filler than you would want in a league or something, but you've got the good green uncommons in Capitech Wrecker, Azusa's Many Journeys, Blossom Prancer. You've got the power uncommons, which is really what drives blue-green, as well as the loop-de-dupes. And then you had an interesting decision about whether or not to play Harmonious Emergence, Yeah. Yeah, I was, I don't know, I hadn't played with this card yet, really. Um, And I had two copies of it. This is the four mana aura. It enchants a land. It makes it a four five with vigilance. And then if it would die, instead, it gets indestructible and you remove the enchantment. So I was unsure if I was supposed to play them. And Alex was just like, no, they're just better than anything else you have. And he was right. These were phenomenal in my deck. Yeah, I think Harmonious Emergence is great. Shout out to Charging Monster Store, baby. Shout out to Charging Monster Store. And I did, I'm, I I have the, the first ever on our team. This is a 3-0, baby. Woo, feels good. Does feel good. All right, so let's see what happened at the last seat of the table. That's LSV. Remember, he passed you, Life of Tashiro Umazawa, and you were like, he must have had a really good rare to take over that. Oh, he did. He opened in classic LSV fashion. Fable of the Mirror Breaker. Two and a red for the saga. Chapter one, create a 2-2 red goblin shaman creature token with whenever this creature attacks, make a treasure token. Chapter two, you may discard up to two cards if you do draw that many cards. And then it flips into a 2-2. You can pay one to tap it to make a copy of target non-legendary creature. It gains haste and then sacrifice it at end of turn. Yeah, that card is absurd. It's one of the best rares in the set, and you're thrilled to open that if you are LSV. And you're taking note of the life of Toshiro, which, again, I took, and I think you're probably taking note of Spinning Wheel Kick as well. Mm -hmm. Pack one, pick two. No surprise here. He gets past the Springleaf Avenger. And he takes it. And it's interesting, like, he's already like, okay, so, you know, he, he and his chat are trying to figure out, you know, what what did I take? And one of the cards they were surmising about was Behold the Unspeakable. Yeah. Which makes sense, right? There's no saga in the pack. What saga would you take? At, you know, that's not a rare, etc. So takes the Springleaf Avenger there. Pack one, pick three. So this is interesting. This is a pack with Okiba Reckoner Raid, I think, as the best card in the pack. 
There's no really good red cards to follow up his Kiki Saga, and if he wants to follow up the Springleaf Avenger, he can take either a Fade into Antiquity or a Master's Rebuke. Yeah, this is an interesting pick, I think, especially with the layer of LSV knows he's passed Life of Toshiro Umazawa to me. Mm-hmm. So it's awkward on his part, I think, to ship Okiba Reckoner Raid. So he's kind of incentivized to pick that here. I don't know what I would do in his spot. I, I think... I would lean towards taking Okiba Reckoner Raid. That's awkward because you have two rares that you really want to play, right? So Master's Rebuke makes a ton of sense as well to just try to draft a great green red deck and then you get a removal spell locked up early. It's definitely a tough spot. Yeah, for sure. He landed on the Rebuke, perhaps just thinking like, I just want to make sure I can play these powerful cards I have. You know, there's also a Goshintai of Hidden Cruelty and a Mukatai Ambusher. So he can't like hate you out of a black card here, even though Reckoner Raid is far and away the best one um but he landed on the rebuke yeah that makes sense that's probably another reason to take rebuke because i'm getting a black card regardless right yeah sure that makes sense right because you end up do you do end up taking their reckoner raid there uh pack one pick four there's a modern age there's a searchlight companion there's another master's rebuke and again there are no real red cards to follow up the kiki saga yeah i think this Pick is a little more straightforward for LSB, right? I mean, Modern Age is probably the best card in the pack, but having a Springleaf Avenger and having a removal spell to get your Springleaf Avenger punched through just feels great. So locking up your second removal spell here, getting a little deeper into green, all that feels pretty good. Yep. Pack one, pick five. I think there are just lands in consideration here, really. There's there's Windscarred Crag, Red White, uh, Dual Land. Not that. You're going to take either Uncharted Haven. That's the land that lets you pick a color and it taps for that color. There's Odawara, the Soaring City. That's the blue legendary land with channel, bounce, and artifact creature, enchantment, or planeswalker. I, I think those are the cards you're picking between, right? The the blue land or the haven, I guess. I mean, no good green cards to think about. I think he just probably wants the fixing, right? That is what my gut says, right? Because you have the Kiki Saga and no other red cards and no other great red cards that you've seen. And green red, as we've seen, is a little bit of an awkward color combination because the colors are so in opposition of what they're incentivized to do in the format. So it's likely that you could end up wanting to splash the Kikijiki Saga. I think locking up your first piece of fixing here to splash the Kikijiki Saga feels much better and more important to me than taking a land of a color that I am not right now. Right. Yeah, it's important to note that this is his first blue card and he's got, you know, Two good green removal spells, a really good green rare, and then obviously the the busted red saga. Um, he did land on the the blue land here. I don't know. Maybe he just wanted to keep keep snapping up those good rares. And maybe you think you're going to be blue green, and you'll pick up the fixing to splash the Kiki Saga because blue green's so good at mm-hmm. you know splashing and fixing. I still think there's a very strong case for Uncharted Haven here. Yeah, I think so too. Pack one, pick six, a really weak pack. He gets a Tamio safekeeping. Really nice pickup for him there. Pack one, pick seven on the wheel. He ends up grabbing a Covert Technician. That's the two and a blue artifact ninja for two, four. And when it deals combat damage to a player, you can put an artifact card with mana value less than or equal to that damage from your hand onto the battlefield. And it's just kind of blue-green sailing for him the rest of this pack, which is a little awkward given that I'm passing to him and that's also where I'm at. Right, yes. I mean, again, that's great for our team, rough for their team for sure. And there are some awkward opens for him in that pack two, pick one, he opens farewell, which is the four white, white sorcery, choose one or more, exile all artifacts, all creatures, all enchantments, or all graveyards, which like he has to take. This is not a card that you can pass in a team draft, I don't think. 
I agree. And he's incentivized to try to play it, too. The card is fantastic in the format. For sure. And then, you know, he doesn't have actually a lot of blue that he gets in this pack. He gets a lot of green quite a bit, cutting me out of it. And then pack three, pick one, he opens Behold the Unspeakable as the best card in this pack, passing the Cloudsteel Kieran that, great, it actually ends up making its way to Marshall's deck and being quite good for him. But so he's now opened red rare, gotten past a green rare, opened a white rare, and opened a busted blue uncommon. So he's pulled in a lot of different directions in terms of power for like not only what he has to take in terms of not passing to other people on opposing team, but also for what he wants to play himself. Well, and there's a pick in pack two that I don't love from LSV that I want to point out as well too. pack two pick nine. He's already got several cards he wants to try to play in. He's green. He's got the farewell. He's got the Kiki saga. He has the option pack two pick nine to take a grafted growth, which is the 2G enchantment aura enchant land, put a plus plus encounter on a creature or vehicle and then gives the enchanted land tap add two mana of any one color as well as Roaring Earth in the pack. And he took the Roaring Earth over Grafted Growth. I think if he takes Grafted Growth there, and then, you know, in pack three, I kind of remember there being one of the three twos that can search up auras running around. Maybe that's a lie, and I'm misremembering that. But if he gets that aura plus a Shrine Steward, then all of a sudden his deck has great mana. Yeah, well, great mana. I don't know if he's ever getting to great status, because like, we're still talking about a base green deck that's trying to cast white, white pips, blue, blue pips, and Fable of the Mirror Breaker. That's tough. Well, sure. But if you have two cards in your deck that search up, you know, casting all of your cards, that's a significant boost to your mana base. I agree. I agree. And he does end up having good fixing, right? So he ends up having four dual lands. He's at a Rugged Highlands, a Thornwood Falls, and two Windscarred Crags. So a red, green, green, blue, and two red, white duels. He also has a Network Terminal. So he has fixing in that department. He also has a Sunblade Samurai to search up a planes that he's putting in the deck. A good chunk of green sources. He's very base green, right? He's got two blue cards, two white cards. I mean, really one white card because the Samurai is there for fixing. And then one red card in Fable of the Mirror Breaker. And then the rest are green cards. Yeah, I think the blue blue and the white white is a bit of a stretch here. I mean, like it's certainly castable, but it's not ideal. I, I count six blue sources and five white sources yeah i think that's right i guess Pros prosperous thief as well makes treasures fable of the mirror breaker makes treasures yeah that's fair so, so it's a little bit more but yeah I, I agree i agree it's tough so yeah there you have it that's the draft in summary and i think i think our team ended up with the better decks and i think that bore itself out. I think their decks were good, but I think ours were a bit more consistent. Yeah, for sure. And I think, again, there's a lot of, there's going to be luck for sure in terms of like what things are opened. Like, you know, for, I think Yumi and Alex all felt like we had pretty straightforward drafts. And I think looking at BK Marshall and LSV's draft logs, they prep maybe didn't have as like clear cut of a path through the three packs. Yes, I think that is certainly true. But you know, if that's what it takes, I'll take it, Ben. If that's what it takes for us to get the W, <laughs> I'm happy for it. And I'm proud of our team. It felt good to bring it up to five and three in overall showdowns. And crazily enough, we're tied again for matches. It's 36 to 36, both teams in matches. We're going to have to throw down in the streets of New Capenna. Yeah. I mean, this is it's good. Like, I don't feel like... You know, I feel like we're underdogs to their team for sure, but I definitely feel like we're holding our own and we're making good television out there. 
heck yeah, these are a blast. And I am thrilled to continue doing them as long as LSV, Marshall, and BK deign to continue playing with us. Exactly. Yeah, that's how I feel. I'm like, when are they going to just be like, nah, I'm done. I'm done with these <laughs> these kids. Yeah. All right. Great place to wrap us up. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thank you so much to ChannelFireball.com for sponsoring this podcast and honestly for bringing us together with limited resources under the ChannelFireball.com podcast network. You love to see it. Um, If you're heading over to CFB for any and all purchases or signing up for CFB Pro, please use the code LOL when you check out to let them know we sent you over there. You can check us out streaming. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Mr. is spelled out. We're both under those same usernames on Twitter and you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next week for another episode of lords of limited thanks everybody see you later